You are the color and you are the scent of every flower that ever bloomed on every planet all at once. I never want to change you. I'm Heath Armstrong, and this is Never Stop Peaking. It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. While you letting conformity slam you up the butt. You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, miggity milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Hey yo Whoa, it's been a while Lots of weird, weird things happening in the world Eerie hard things. I think everybody is dealing with some sort of rapid change in lifestyle. I mean, for me being a creative that's mostly introverted and kind of keeps to myself a lot in the physical world, my general situation of life hasn't changed much, but businesses are down. All of my Amazon stuff is down. Uh, all Mostly every bit of income that I've had is completely halted. A lot of different factors for that, uh, but an important time for all of us to remember how how much everything that matters is internal and anything external can't actually infect us, which I think this is why this is a perfect episode with Baba Raviki. I want to talk to you first about exploration because this is how I met Baba Ravi. What does exploration mean to you? If you became a fly on the wall and you witnessed your life, how much adventure is involved? This is a good time to think about it because we're at home. We can't go anywhere else. And we kind of think, well, we like to be stimulating our minds by doing all these things that keep us as busy little bees. But are these things that we've been doing and occupying our time with actual experiences and adventure outside of our comfort zone, or is it routine? Is it the same thing that we can easily slip into these just constant routines of life and say, we'll take that trip next year, or maybe in a couple years when I have just enough money, I'll be able to go to Africa. Or maybe next year when I have a little bit more money, I'll be able to start taking my rock climbing lessons. Then I'll get in shape. By doing that kind of thing, you're putting space between you and what you're working towards. But imagine what it's like to rage through life with flow, bouncing from adventure to adventure, living off the treasures of happiness and experience and wisdom along the way. We were all born to discover this magic, yet too many of us trade our tickets in exchange for mundane comfort. But without exploration and adventure... 
there is really no possibility of dancing with the treasure that truly electrifies the meaning of your life. And it is my duty to tell you that you must start shaking away your fears and doubts and sail to your motherfucking treasures. It's a promise that I made to those who passed the advice on to me several years ago. I promise I am willing to dedicate my life to purpose and meaning and passion. I appreciate you passing the torch. I want to be the catalyst for you. You may be thinking it's easier said than done. But I've been there and I've thought that way. And it's fucking brutal in the moment. It can be so full of uncertainty and pains and mounds of tears that you end up curled up in the fetal position. It's scary to think about making changes in life and to doing things that are uncomfortable. But just like twerking, the more that you do it, the easier it gets. The more the amateur practices, the faster she becomes a pro. One day you'll be addicted to the adrenaline of proving that nervous voice inside of your head wrong. That voice wants to protect you, but it also doesn't know how ferociously powerful you really are. All ships are safest at shore, sure, but that is not what your motherfucking ship is for, baby. Unfurl your sails, boogie with the wind, an ocean of sweet-ass treasure awaits you. You can have first dibs, you can have middle dibs, you can have last dibs. It's all yours. I want to encourage you to to take a look at what you have done the past couple years while you have the time, while you're at home reflecting in your head. Take a look at the relationships around you. Are they meaningful? Are they supporting your visions and your dreams? And are you able to provide that type of support for those around you as well? What have you been doing with your time? Have you had any experiences that are different than the experiences you've been having the past couple years? Are you going to the same places over and over again? Are you hanging out with the same people over and over again? You cannot expand that way. Everything that you've ever dreamed of is laying on the other side of your comfort zone. And that comes from exploration to the unknown. I cannot, I've got quite a bit of episodes coming up for everybody and I'm really pumped about it. Um, I've also got some special announcements coming as well. So stay tuned to the emails. If you are not on my email list, it's a lot of good stories. It's a lot of good content. Uh, Go to heatharmstrong.com. Just go to any one of the uh, opt-ins. You can get some free sweet ass. I mean, they're really actually cool desktop wallpapers. Nobody seems to download them. So I think it's probably just like a shitty thing. I don't know if nobody like wants them, but I use them and our designer made them and they, they're kick-ass. They're just expansions of the affirmation cards, but they're space themed. If you go to my website, you can actually download those for free. You can get a 10 pack, I believe. Um, then you'll start getting the emails, but I'll be making some cool announcements through there. And yeah, let's talk about the episode. So last December, I went back to Africa to revisit the school in Uganda that I had bonded with in 2017. And while I was out there, I also pursued climbing Africa's highest peak in Tanzania, Mount Kilimanjaro, 
The world's largest freestanding volcano stands at just above 19,000 feet. Because I have an extreme passion, obviously, for that serene feeling above the clouds. And I'm a firm believer that through exploration and experience in places unknown to you, you will connect with the magic in life that you've been missing. Oftentimes, this type of magic comes in the form of human connection. And that's what happened when I met Ravi Rothenberg a few days before the trek started. I coined him the name Baba Ravi because he has so much wisdom. And Baba basically means uh, guru or man with wisdom or person with wisdom. And you see it a lot amongst the elders in other parts of the world. And I feel like Baba Ravi embodies this. And it kind of started sticking. Just a few sunrises into the climb, my perception of Ravi started shifting drastically. I didn't know him before. But when you see a man wearing a shorts, a pair of shorts, like skippies almost, and sandals in a rainstorm on the side of a freezing mountain while everyone else is in full rain gear and base layers, you know you've got a true warrior on your hand. One that might be a little bit interesting to me. And although I'm a huge fan and advocate of cold water therapy and breath work and other biohacking practices, you guys can go back and listen to episode, I think, 29 if you want to check out some of the biohacking stuff. Uh, because these things help boost the mitochondria in your body, the productivity boosting your immune system, your ability to resist shock and awe. And even though I love all that stuff, I was a little bit concerned due to the conditions and the altitude to be as ballsy as Baba Raviki. While most of us were trying to change into dry clothes and bundle up at camp after hiking through cold and wet conditions all day, Ravi was out doing push-ups and yoga in his undies, overlooking the edges of the cliffs like a fucking Greek god with baby oil rubbed all over his chest. And who's to say he's not a Greek god? After all, he was the only one who summited the climb without using altitude sickness medicine, and I thought that was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, getting to know Ravi was truly one of the highlights of my trip. Our conversations had no limit in depth, and I sensed the wisdom of character of who he was truly dialed into, and, and that it, basically he was dialed into something that was much greater than the individual self. When talking to Ravi, I often feel a bit sedated and much more eager to listen and learn than normal. I know I have a little bit of an attention span problem, and it shows a lot. And with him, I just kind of dial in, which is why I'm truly excited to share this podcast episode with you. In this episode, Baba Ravi and I catch up for the first time in a while, bouncing in and out of topics such as Ravi's journey uh, to go from where he was working in the tech world and launching off to be traveling the world full time. He's in India right now when we recorded this. And I mean, his pictures are incredible. So definitely check out the show notes. Follow his Instagram at Rise with Ravi. He does retreats for mindfulness and yoga and breath work. Um, but we cover topics such as his journey, listening to your calling, identifying universal signs of flow, and then tapping into that flow levels of attachment and relationships, uh, the contemplation of death, the first labeling thought, quote unquote, uh, and the importance of just having pure faith in the universe. So I won't waste too much more 
of your precious little time, because I know you got kinky little things to be doing out there. But we will get right into this episode. All the show notes, heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. Leave me a rating on iTunes. I appreciate it because nobody, I mean, it's really hard to get those. So I would very much appreciate a couple seconds of your time to do that. And it helps this get to a bigger audience. Also share with your family and friends. And yeah, let's just keep expanding. If you want to enter this week's giveaway, go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. And yeah, I think that's about it. So here we go. Actually, psych out. If you're interested in climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, I... I highly recommend. I I highly. I want to. I want to give a shout out here because it's something that I feel like is on a lot of people's mind. They don't really know how to do it logistically. They don't know how much it costs and all those things. They think it might be scary. I have to give a shout out to Scott Brills, who runs a remarkable guide company, Pomoja Safaris, which is who I went with. It's where Ravi was. Interestingly enough, my friend Lenan was on the climb, and she is in partnership with Ravi. I didn't know Ravi before. I didn't actually plan climbing with Lenan. We found out just a couple days before we got out there, which is like small fucking world. Like out of all the people in the world, how do you know somebody on your 10 person climb team? It was pretty crazy. Uh, but I can 200% vouch that my experience with Scott's crew was head and shoulders above all the other crews and groups that we witnessed out on that mountain. I mean, I felt like it was it was me at like Thanksgiving with my second family every single day and the equipment and the cost and the culture and the experience and then the carrot it's unmatched. And even if you're unsure of your ability physically to climb, especially at high altitudes, I'm very confident that his guides can get you to that summit with care. And I'd be happy to answer any questions about the climb. If interested, uh, just hit me up via email or Instagram at Heath fist pumps. And yeah, pomojasafaris.com. The links are in the show notes as well. HeathArmstrong.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 30 and here we go. Come on, everybody. Let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody. Let me hear that stickity, stickity, rickety, dickity beat. Yeah. Yeah, where are you? You're in India, right? Still there? Oh, yeah. In it to win it. Well, not really to win it, just in it. Winning is beginning, but winning can also be a very slippery slope, Robbie. Can be sinning. It can be grinning. Winning Winning is sinning. This could be (laughs) all lyrics of our Kilimanjaro rap song. Yes, 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 Jumbo. which is dry. Jumbo Buana. Habarigani. Nzuri sana. Wageni. 
Makari Bishwa. Akila Manjaro. Akila <laughs> Manjaro, get to. Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata. Akuna Matiti. <laughs> I miss the uh, Sw- Swahili culture. They were incredible. Yeah. Yeah, really, truly. I mean, I think a large part of, I mean, I've only been to Uganda and Tanzania. So, I mean, other than passing through other places, but even in like, it was more so in Tanzania, the Swahili influence. Cause it's, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, Swahili is kind of mixed in. There's just so many different tribes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the culture, I think kind of, is very similar among the tribes anyway. So you get, you get that beauty, no matter what, if they're mm-hmm. using the Swahili language or not, it seems very similar. I miss it yeah. too, man. It's like family. It feels very good there. It feels like home. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is like, and we were part of a massive family. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. How's your, how's your family doing among all the, all the stuff? Oh man. I mean, my family's doing fine. Raging Ruth is crushing, <laughs> you know, if there's yes. a, I'm not the type of person who goes down the rabbit hole of worry for situations like this, because I try to look at the bigger picture, but if there was a worry, it would be, you know, surrounding her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's pretty isolated and she's got a housekeeper who comes in and like, the problem is just like this woman is all over the place with all sorts of different people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she's coming in there. So that's, that's a little concerning, but if there's anything I know for sure, it's that raging Ruth is protected and, and she's not a oh, resilient and she's not afraid of anything. And, and she's fully aware of the virus and what could do what it, what it could cause and, she's so positive. So, you know, if it's God's will, honey, then it's God's will. (laughs) God willing. She's all about surrender and letting go, man. So. Hey, I mean, that's what gets you to to 96 with a smile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's remarkable. Every time I talk to her, I'm just like, it's, there's so much to learn. Like I've been working on a new, my new book and, there's so many times where I'm like just bringing in stories from her because every time I'm with her, I learn something new. So like getting lost in mountains in the middle of nowhere. I mean, she told me a story where she like almost died on the side of a mountain in Arizona. And then like the story was crazy enough as to where like they couldn't find their way off the side of this cliff and they were hugging it. And like, it was called like, death ridge or something i mean it was some crazy name and then when they got off the craziest part was she's like and then we got back down towards where our our horse our buggy or something or horse and buggy or something was <laughs> horse and, and they were and there were three native americans with guns that that came running oh. up to they came riding up to us and they stopped oh. and they looked at us and then they just rode off it's <laughs> like Oof. like that's that was real like that was a real it, it seems crazy from the perspective that we have these days 
But mm-hmm. I mean, a hundred years ago, it was drastically different than it is now. Oh, drastically yeah. that different. Was the wild, <laughs> wild west. And it's and it's crazy. If you, bro, oh yeah, she was definitely gunslinging, man. <laughs> it just blows my mind technology and how it can shift in just one hundred years from. Mm-hmm. Barely getting light bulbs and electricity to, you know, 3D printers and growing organs on machines and pretty, I mean, Teslas, like it's, it's really drones. What she's yeah. seen is, is remarkable. And it makes you think very hardly about how, how very possible that has been in the past and how it's probably repeated itself many times. And we have had technology that has been really efficient. Uh, I mean, this planet's when the quant- billion years old. Yeah. And the quantum leaps, you know, the technology advancements in the last hundred years were big and where they're headed is just unfathomable. And, uh, you know, we by can't compute it. Per- I don't think, I don't even know if humans can like, we're going to have to become machines to be able to understand. <laughs> yeah. Right now I'm like, does not compute. I'm going to have you turn the video off just so that we can sustain a really good connection when we do the podcast. I'm already recording though, but. I mean, I hope some of these clips make it into the sweet ass edit. Um, <laughs> stop video. Oh, the whole thing's going in, man. So oh, baby. I, yeah, I, I think like when you try plant medicine is an interesting avenue to go because it's like when you go into I mean, for instance, if I, if I speak about like an ayahuasca journey that I've had, when you're in that realm and you're learning from the plant spirits and whatever divine energy you're connected to, it's so mm-hmm. much information. And you see this all the time, like in, in all, all types of different psychedelic or re- yeah. like, I don't want to, religion can be used as an interesting word. Um, trying to think of a yeah. better one. But when people connect to a higher power, right? Yep. There is all of this information that can come in. And when you're in that moment, you feel like you can hear everything. You can see everything. You're fully living and loving. So clearly. And you can't, when you come back, it's like you have this, you have a hard drive brain that can't actually hold all of the information that you just accessed on some supercomputer. It's like you're a flash drive and you have to only take, certain oh, amounts yeah. of info with you when you leave uh-huh yeah it's you like know. there's a terabyte of of data and you have this little like barely one gig flash little thumb drive to to escape with i um, know isn't it it's but, just, but also it's interesting but also like all of that you know data and information and clarity that is coming from within you right you know maybe there's some external stimuli that's giving you some extra downloads or enhancing the experience. But I mean, overwhelmingly, it feels like that dialogue and that information source is within. Yeah. You, it it all comes back down to like, you are just a fragment of the universe and you're really not Mm -hmm. accessing something external. You're more so opening up your channels internally to connect with Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is powerful. And I mean, you've gone through a lot of, mass transformation man i'm i'm i've been looking forward to this because even though we spent 
many days on Kilimanjaro and I got to mm-hmm. watch you walk around in your skippies barefoot when everybody <laughs> else is like freezing and everyone's taking altitude medicine and you're like, nope, breath work only. Um, uh-huh. Everyone's tired and sleeping and you're out there doing like headstand pushups <laughs> on the ridge. Like uh-huh. it, it was, uh, I was like this dude, this guy, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> and, it, and it's, yeah. you know, we, I'm lucky enough to get to surround myself with many magical people. And I think that happens for anyone is if you're following your, your journey, your hero's journey, Mm -hmm. or you're, you're Mm -hmm. learning how to live in flow and it might feel like there's a lot of blockages for somebody out there. But if you start these types of things unfold and we get to meet magical people like Ravi, uh, who I have coined Baba Ravi for his wisdom, Mm, elderly wisdom. Um, (laughs) And I've not really had that much of a chance to really talk to you about your, how you made this transition, who you were before, um, mm-hmm. and, and how you got to a point where like, you know, we met in Africa and then <laughs> we were in Boulder together not long after that. This seems like there hasn't been that many months since we were in Africa, right? But it seems like it's been like a year now. It's, it's only lot. been- I know. About been like four, what, three months? Four months. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, yeah. Well, a, lot, a lot has happened between then so Um, much and now you're in india and you had a retreat planned that you were going to do teaching yoga meditation mindfulness connectivity to the body all these incredibly Mm -hmm. powerful tools that unfortunately was postponed because of the coronavirus or the covid Mm -hmm. um what what was it like who were you before who were you before all of this, man? I like, you don't have to get, you know, you can go as deep as you want, but I, I think it's really important for people to understand the types of mass transformation that you can make if you, if you start yeah. wanting it. Yeah. Yeah. Who was I before? You know, it's, I'm not so far from who I was before. You know, I think that the whole hero's journey, the self evolution, the transformation it's again, in my perspective, it's just stripping away layers of conditioning that lie on top of, of that true essence. Um, and I'll try to, well, I guess actually with you, I can use words like true essence and that's not so, so far out. Um, um, but yeah, before this, um, I, I was Jordan, you know, that's my, my birth name, which, um, it's funny. I'm, so I'm in India right now and I'll, India will come up a few times, um, but my my new name Ravi is a, is very much an Indian name, and so when I'm giving that name to people here in India, they perk up and first they're like Ravi, like that's Indian name. Who are you really? What is your name? Uh, <laughs> and I, I have to explain like yes, that was a given name that I've been embracing. Um, my birth name is Jordan. Um, I have humble roots in the in the Midwest in Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I've really been, I don't know, I, I've been on my, my own journey for, for what feels like years, maybe a lifetime. Um, and I'd say things really shifted for me when I picked up and I drove to Boulder, Colorado in 2014, uh, a place that I had never been, a place where I knew nobody. Um, but I had this just internal calling and um, a really, really a good feeling about heading west. Uh, How old were to, you then? 
I was 26. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was also, you know, I mean, I've, I've had, yeah, what feels like many lifetimes in this lifetime. And, you know, adaptability and transition have always um, kind of come really first nature to me. And so, yeah, moving to Boulder was the result of like transition of job situation, um, shifting of relationships. And just again, from like kind of the core, my core, like, okay, what do I want right now? Right. And that's, that's, I think, you know, where our conditioning lives, it lives in our head and in our heart. Right. And when we get the head and the heart out of the way, then we're left with our core. And at our very core of our being, what do I want? Um, and I feel like, and it's not a question that we give ourselves permission to ask or space to really ponder. And, um, and that's, yeah, I think the what do I want back in 2014, 26-year-old me wanted to be near the mountains so that instead of seeing that two feet of snow had fallen and I'm looking at the little, you know, open snow video cam going, oh my God, they got two feet in Winter Park. I wish I was there. I was like, wait a minute. I could actually be there. That's just a choice that I need to make. Um, And so ultimately, yeah, that brought me to Boulder was really, you know, proximity to the mountains, lifestyle, and this this really internal yearning for for a new chapter. Um, And then that opened up entire worlds. you know, pretty quickly, I was the co-founder of a natural food startup uh, with two friends that were uh, ironically also coming to Colorado from Wisconsin. Um, I got really involved in community. I was all, all of a sudden running this startup event called Startup Weekend. I was volunteering with Techstars. Um, and then all of a sudden, I had a job op- opportunity at Techstars helping to run Startup Weekend all over the country. Uh, and so it was it was all these things. I had the startup background. I had the startup weekend event background. I was right person, right place, right time and connected and just, yeah, starting to plug into this, um, this truth of mine. Um, and even though that has shifted now in the last year, especially, um, again, I, the path emerges as we follow all these little pebbles that show up, you know, collectively that that's what our journey is. Um, and so especially the last year has been really about um, yeah, p- um, seeing those pebbles so clearly and committing to them for the, the path to unfold. I am very much an advocate of learning how to flow. Um, it's something that I really want to go much deeper into. I was thinking about, do you know Jackie and Justin by any chance? It's Flow Consciousness Magazine. They're out of Santa Barbara, but they're a lot, they're all in the, the same kind of like Boulder group. Sure. They, they teach like a really high level of flow. And I've been looking mm-hmm. for a while at like, I know a couple really close friends that have gone through their, their program. And when you talked about the pebbles, like noticing the pebbles, I think for somebody who's trying to get started, it's very hard to get away from the head and the heart, which you had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, a part of a large part of this podcast and a lot of the work that I do is trying to help people do that. It's to remove, mm-hmm. remove these things that are part of you, but aren't necessarily all of you and open yourself up to the core or the gut and, and learn how to follow your mm-hmm. intuition. 
Is there anything mm-hmm. specific that you recommend? I mean, I know you work with people with mindfulness and, and body connectivity. Um, how do people get their head and their heart out of the way from your perspective? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's actually almost a year ago to this day, um, there was a program I attended in Boulder called Evoso Live. It's a one-day program curated by this woman named Erin Weed. And I'm saying these names and specifics so that uh, she can get the credit for this because it really was fantastic and provided me with a new tool for, for tapping in. Um, and one of the first things we did, and it was a huge program, one day, very experiential, well curated. Um, and the day started with this exercise that she called Head Heart Core. Um, And she brought some really daring volunteers up onto the stage. She explained the exercise. And then she had us do, uh, it's essentially three rounds, head, heart, and core. And in this case, we turned to a total stranger. Okay. And step part one was the head. And so we put our hand on our forehead, turned to the stranger, and we had a minute and a half to only speak from our head, only facts. And at the time, I am Jordan. I am from Wisconsin. I live in Boulder. I am at this event. I uh, don't have a job right now. Uh, So for a minute and a half, and and it's kind of hard to just just speak facts, but that's again why you're physically putting your hand on the forehead as a somatic reminder that, okay, this is where I'm speaking from. Um, And then uh, part two, 60 seconds, you put your hand on your chest and you're speaking from your heart. I feel, I feel happy to be here. I feel scared about the state of the world. I feel sad that my, you know, dog ran away. Uh, fortunately, the dog, the dog came back, but. Um, <laughs> and then, okay, so we got our head and our heart out of the way. Now, you guessed it, part three, you put your hand on your belly right at your core, and now you have 45 seconds. Okay, so notice how also the time is going down. Okay, so now the time is limited. We've got our head and our heart mostly out of the way. And from for 45 seconds, we speak from the core of my being, what do I want? I want world health, I want world peace. I want to, oh, I want to go to India to do a yoga teacher training. I want to travel more. I want to um, eat better. And so the, all these, these wants finally we get to access that. Uh, and I think there's value in speaking these out loud and to it, you know, sometimes we are more vulnerable with a total stranger. So in that case, like all these things were coming through me that, um, yeah, that were really, what felt really honest. There is a, a massive power with speaking out loud. I, 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 obviously I teach a lot of affirmations, but I think affirmations can be a, a two-way road because if not used correctly, they're basically just they're, what's the point? Um, and if you're not mm-hmm. if you're not putting emotion into your affirmations and really feeling what they feel like when they're in your life, then it's going to be very hard for you to manifest them. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you're standing on your porch in your undies and you're speaking mm-hmm. to the world, I make three hundred thousand dollars a year while you're pounding moonshine, um, <laughs> but you're not doing anything. Instead, you're going back inside and like you know, watching Jerry Springer or whatever, you're not ever going to bring that into your reality just by calling it out. It does come from a very core based emotional 
a combination of that heart and that, that core, that gut. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting Mm -hmm. to think about these things of like, yeah, I want to go to India or I want to travel and how far away they can feel like they are from us. But like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. it's when you start realizing how close they actually are to you, that's when things start to unravel. Um, and then you get yourself in odd situations, man, where you're just like, it's tears. Like it's like, when was the last time you you cried tears of joy? I think like two hours ago <laughs> right <laughs> off, off, off i'm so blissed out uh actually that's the other part of my name is ananda which means bliss um that's and my truly, dog's name been... shut up really yeah man sachi tananda ah uh, yes experience yes. consciousness bliss that's her full name uh-huh yeah that, man. and that's what dogs are i love dogs for that reason always have I know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's really, when, when you're tuned in, there's, there's so many moments that, that take your breath away and just like, wow, that's, that's happening. Um, and it's happening because, you know, I, I showed up. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it is, it, it is, it's so hard. You know, I, it's easy to say, oh yeah, put your hand on your forehead for a minute and a half and your, your heart talk to it for 60 seconds and then those things are out of the way. No, not at all. Um, your head, <laughs> your head does, does not go away. Um, and there's so many, uh, you know, logic is trying to convince you not to do what your core wants it to do. And your heart is, wants it to feel connected to place and people and to, to keep you, you know, Keep you not not stuck, but keep you safe in a way. Yeah, it's um, a very caring cool. part. Mm-hmm. So nurturing, damn heart. But can also make things too comfortable, and you can get stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the other thing, you know this this journey is it's certainly not for the faint of heart. It's not for everybody. I, I would argue that it can be for everybody. Uh, but from my vantage point, I've definitely learned that, you know, I've got to do what's right for me. And what's right for me is absolutely not what's right for, you know, anybody else. And so that's, right. that's something I think I've learned, uh, learned through experience. Because at first I was like, you know, everybody should do this. You need to go to India. You need to go meditate. <laughs> you need to do a yoga teacher training. But it's everyone's on their own journey. And that's okay. Man, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time understanding that principle myself. Cause I am, I'm a bit of an extremist and I really, truly, deeply, truly, madly, deeply savage garden style. I really <laughs> want people and everybody that I know and love to be able to, to take steps and, and do the types of things that I journeyed to do. And it's been very hard yep. for me to understand that it it really is not for everybody in the way that yeah. like, you know, if it's for you, like you're probably listening to this. Um, you read, like you get signs, like they come to you. And for a mm-hmm. large part of my life, mm-hmm. it wasn't me. Like things can mm-hmm. change on a, in a click of a button, man. Like yeah. one thing could happen to you and start to open you up. And then you're like, well, why is this happening? And, and if you pay attention to these universal signs, you pay attention to the people that are coming into your life and the messages that you're getting, yeah and yeah. you truly want it and you truly allow your emotion to feel it that's when you start to kind of go on the path but 
Do you mm-hmm. have, like, when you're, I know initially, you know, you had that urge or the, the call, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens when you just, like, when you just lose it, man? Like, you lose it for a while and you, you get real confused. What, is there anything that you, you return to, any practices that you return to or you do kind of constantly to keep you in the right um, mindset yeah. or connectivity with yourself? Yeah. Yeah. It's always back to my body, back to my breath. Um, and even in my travels, when I'm like feeling super off and I'm questioning everything, um, I know that an hour, hour and a half moving and breathing on my mat is going to bring me back to my center. Um, and even that has taken so many different shapes over the years and especially the last year. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I've, I've been fortunate in that I, I've, I've always been pretty centered, pretty calm. Um, and even, you know, I meet strangers and, they're, strangers and they're like, man, you're so calm. Like, what, how do you do that? I'm like, I guess it's, it's innate for me. But also, I'm, it's certainly a practice and, and it's been cool to see it develop even further uh, and to know that, yeah, for me, it's, it's getting into my body. It's throwing on this 12-track, uh, mantra mix on Spotify and uh, wherever I am rolling out the mat and, and just seeing what comes up. Um, Baba Raviki. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's, 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 it's like it's, even it's, that though, like it takes extreme dedication to stay in that part of the mind and, and overcome resistance. And although you, you may be very aware of it, I mean, cause it, it comes mm-hmm. down to us being able to witness that we're having a problem or, we're feeling really shitty and, and realizing that it's not us. It's disconnected mm-hmm. from us. How do you ever get in positions where you're like, you know that you need to go do that hour and a half of yoga and body work, but you still mm-hmm. don't do it or you push it off. And then you realize like, for me, I do that all the time, man. I'm like, I know that if I go do a trail run or if I go to the mm-hmm. gym and hit strength training, or if I go climb a mountain, like I know how amazing <laughs> it's going to make me feel. I do mm-hmm. not forget how amazing that feeling is but I still yeah. get myself in these blocks where I'm like, why am I not doing this? And I find these little things to replace my time with instead. And it's madness. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's where, you know, that's where the self-awareness piece comes in where, or for me, it's like, if I'm resisting it, like I know it's good for me. I know how amazing it's going to feel after. And if I'm resisting it, that's a really good sign that that's exactly what I need. Um, and, and so for me, that's kind of like, that's the guru within, right? If you had a guru sitting there observing you, like, yeah, dumbass, like, go do the thing that you know you need. Um, and the only thing getting in the way usually is ourselves. Um, and so that's where the discipline, that's where the practice, that's where the mindfulness, the journaling, the really tuning in. So you know, yeah, that's what makes me come back to life. Um, and you have those other tools for checking in. Um, so that you know what you need. Yeah, I think everybody's different. You just have to find the stuff that works for you as far as keeping you connected to all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, how how different is it for you when you are at a home base versus traveling? Because like when I'm, when I'm across the world, I am so, I feel like there's just like this charge of inspiration mm-hmm. for me to be like, 
a whole nother level of creative and an entire another level of like wanting to learn new things and experience mm-hmm. culture, which is why I think travel can be very important for anybody who experiences it. I mean, you have to oh, have yeah. the right point of view on it, but I see that you travel a lot. Like what are you, what are you doing in yeah. India right now? Great question. <laughs> yeah. I'd Great like to know. <laughs> so, so like you, like you mentioned earlier, my, the retreat that I was going to be leading was in Thailand in early May. Um, and so knowing that I'd need to be in Thailand in May, I just kind of looked at the calendar and I was like, hmm, I should probably do some travel in that part of the world in March and April leading up to that. You know, really just committing to being on the path, continuing to learn new skills and strengthen my own toolbox as I gear up to lead my first retreat. Um, and and yeah, I had a really profound, India is where the start of my journey really kicked off about a year ago. And so, and there were so many things I wanted to do here. And so um, definitely wanted to come back to India. I didn't really know when or where I'd end up. Um, but my partner, Linan, uh, her really good friend, Troy, um, runs a nonprofit called Alphabet Club. Um, and Alphabet Club is essentially a charity that raises money to then fund um, education initiatives for um for essentially the uh, youth poverty youth and poverty in india and so once a year he does this program called the abc club alphabet club deep dive where he brings in uh, in this case it was 18 of us from all over the world um, and gave us a deep dive into his world and we visited schools, we went, met the kids and their families, we went to the slums, we went to see all these different education partners that he's been collaborating with for years. Um, and that was at the end of February. And so um, that came up again, like in flow, all of a sudden this Alphabet Club deep dive just comes onto our radar. And we were already planning to go to India, the dates kind of worked. And so it was like, okay, yeah, that's gonna be what gets us to, to India. Um, and then in this case, you know, flow. we had, yeah, flow. We had another retreat <laughs> that we were going to do in Northern India. Um, and then right after that, we were going to flow on over to Nepal and do a 10 day trek, uh, really based on inspired by I our time. At that, man. Are you, yeah, are you pro- still doing that or is it shut down no, now? So, so yeah, the, the retreat in Northern India canceled the, Trek in Nepal canceled, and then my retreat in Thailand also canceled. And so, yeah, we're still in India. Um, and yeah, really just, you know, we're flowing and uh, we're in a pretty amazing spot right now. I will say that given the times, uh, I'm extremely grateful where we, we've ended up. Um, yeah, I, I see Linan do a lot of posting and I, you know, I'm a little peanut butter and jelly to not be there with you two. I would be the middle oh. of your sandwich any day. <laughs> I wish you were here. <laughs> what do you yes. like? Okay, so this is an interesting perspective because you're over there and I, man, I, I really, I really mean that. I really would love to be there. What, mm-hmm. what is your, what is your take on the condition of the world right now? And, and I, although these retreats got canceled and, and it's really one of the big things is it's, it's making us all realize that we are connected and we can disconnect from the rat race and we can see why this is a big deal from the big picture. But 
from your point of view out there and, and especially with your, your, um, all right, I'm getting some weird interference for some reason. Can you hear anything strange? Everything sound good? Yeah, I can hear you still so clear. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What, what can people do? And I mean, what's your, what's your take on the condition of the world? What do you think the overall message from the mother is that's trying to come through? And what do you think people that are feeling truly mm-hmm. like impasse that are really, truly feeling deeply and struggling can, can maybe do to uplift themselves a little bit? I mean, if from my perspective, it's, it feels so clear, right? That this is, this is a forced shift, right? We have not been listening, right? The mother earth set her left lung on fire with the burning of the Amazon. She set her right lung on fire with the burning of Australia. Um, and we've just been continuing to go on with business as usual, you know, and, and those are just two examples of, I think, so many other factors that are, uh, that are happening today. But, you know, the systems and the, the way and the pace and the disconnectedness from the mother, from Mother Earth, are, are just showing up, right? It, all of this is, just feels like a mirror. We did this. And so you, we were talking a, a little while ago about, you know, the the wake up call or the the call to get on the path, like this is where, you know, a billion out of the seven and a half billion people that are being impacted by this are probably asking themselves like, who am I? What am I doing here? You know, this, again, this puts up such a mirror to ourselves Mm. and it feels like such a forced shift in, in consciousness that you know the spiritual community is like yeah of course this is happening and the non-spiritual community is like oh my god what is happening should i become (laughs) part of the spiritual community now (laughs) maybe i mean again everyone's on their own journey and but if you're not if you're not looking at this in the mirror and saying how how am i contributing or what does this mean for me and then uh, then i think you're missing out on a big opportunity right now yeah, I think, and I've been doing a big, a big post slash possibly I'm recording a video on this topic as I dive into it. But a huge part of this from my end has been exposing to people what we're truly scared of, because not only are we having to deal with things that we're not used to dealing with on a a close level, like are we are we afraid of spending time in our own heads while we sit at home and we're quarantined? Mm-hmm. Are we afraid of spending time with people that are close to us, quote unquote, our partners mm-hmm. for an extended period of time without having space between us? Are we afraid yeah. of ourselves getting sick? Are we afraid of the the thought of of people that we know getting sick? Or is it really more so that we're afraid of death? And the problem that comes from everybody being afraid of death, because death isn't Mm -hmm. actually this thing that everyone thinks it is. In the Western world, we've all come to realize, we've we've all come to believe, and it's built into Mm -hmm. us, you know, it's taught to us Mm -hmm. that death is going to come and take everything away from us that we've ever known and loved. So we should Mm -hmm. collect, and we should hoard, and we should buy things Mm -hmm. that make us happy, and we should, you know, be as involved with, every single person we possibly can and distract ourselves constantly from, from what's really going on in our head, which is that 
we are from the time that we're born until the time that we pass in a process of dying. Dying. Death doesn't have to be this thing that is coming to take everything away from us. If you really ask a wise man what death is, they'll tell you that it is something that actually gifts us. It is something Mm -hmm. that is constantly showering us with gifts. And the main one being it's the only constant reminder of how beautiful uh, and sacred life really is. It's the only thing that we have to remind us to live our moments with intent and purpose. And this is a very important thing because if we were contemplating our death every day, then would we, be, would we yeah. ever be doing things that were not intentful in working towards the greater good? And what if everybody mm-hmm. was doing that? How would Mother Earth respond then? Would she be setting her left and right lungs on fire? Would she be sending viruses out to, to uh, give us all a wake-up call? Probably not. You know, so she'd she'd be dancing. She'd be be dancing. It would be very vibrant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Z. Yeah. I mean, Z. All of the above. Every single thing that you just mentioned is is showing up for people. Um. And I know from my experience, I I did I did a ten day silent meditation retreat that was also an intro to Buddhism, um, in India, like ten months. So it wasn't, it was, it was 10 days, but it wasn't a Vipassana format. Um, we received these really amazing Buddhist teachings from a monk uh, during the days. Um, so it wasn't just straight meditating and sitting. Um, but yeah, one of, one of the days, every morning we would start standing in the gompa, which is the meditation hall. And the monk would walk in and he'd kind of signal us to, to sit down. And one day he walks in and he's kind of, he pauses and he looks at us and he's like, why are you all smiling? Don't you know you're going to die today? And, and so the theme of the day was death. And we meditated on death. We got really intimate with kind of the Buddhist philosophy of death. And it was, uh, it was honestly one of my favorite days. Because um, up until then, you know, I had experiences with death and certainly my own relationship with the idea of it. Um, but, but this whole new intimacy and understanding of it was, uh, was the next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love monk stories. I really do. <laughs> I, I was, I was listening to Russell Brand the other day and he had a guy on that was talking about a monk story and he said, you know what? The monk, the monk gave a speech because the person who was supposed to give a speech didn't show up. And he said, uh, you know, everybody in the Western world says, panic, panic, we're not in control. But if you come to the Buddhist world, we say, relax, relax, we're not in control. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I love the content on his, his show. But um, it's been, dude, it's, it's all connected, yeah. right? And I think I, I do have a I have a overall like peaceful feeling about the direction that this is going and the vibration that it's raising and the awareness that it's raising. And I I mm-hmm. you know, I all we can do is trust and love and and you know connect. And mm-hmm. I think that that's that's the the method. So do you have? I, I'm yeah. curious, man. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say. I, I want to. Real, real quick, I do want to share one other thing from that Buddhist program. Um, this because it, it's so relevant to to what's happening today. Um, and this, I, I could riff on this for a while, but I'll keep it brief. And it's the idea of 
the first, it's called the first labeling thought, right? So we're walking down the street, especially right now, if we're walking down the street, we see people and we're like, ooh, hot, ugly, sick, healthy, threat, friend, potential lover, enemy. You know, we have all these first labeling judgments that come up. Um, and so in Buddhism, you know, the idea is that to be fully compassionate, right? And so what if, as we're walking down the street, it's may you be healthy, may you be happy, may you not suffer, right? And that uh. first labeling thought of compassion instead of judgment, it's, in my opinion, one of the, one of the biggest things the world needs right now. Because that's honestly one of my, you know, I'm in a very safe place in a, in a unique corner of India. Um, but when, you know, in 21 days, when this lockdown is up and I, you know, potentially move on to my next destination, um, when I'm walking down the street as a, uh, a Westerner with a big old travel backpack uh, and the first labeling thought coming at me is like coronavirus, threat, get him, <laughs> sick. Like that, that's honestly, that's what, you know, I, I haven't felt much worry up until even just earlier today when I thought about the reality of what that's going to be like. Um, and so I'm going to exude compassion and I, I hope that uh, everybody in India is listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I've, it's a very simple way to wrap up. That's, I mean, it's kind of like a mini meditation practice in itself. Cause when I do walking a lot, if I'm having anxious thoughts or stressful thoughts and I'm out in the woods, you know, just seeing the trees doesn't necessarily take away those thoughts at first. But then as I get into a routine of like taking a step and just everything that I look at saying, thank you, or I love mm. you, or thank you, I love mm -hmm. you. It's a similar thing. Right. And then when you bring it back to the judgment of people, cause I have a problem in, especially when I'm in, in relationships, like intimate relationships, mm -hmm. where like, I'm a bit of, because I'm a bit of an extremist, like I have such a high standard. I want somebody mm -hmm. so bad that I can like grow in, like be really intense about growth in, in working with. But a, the downside of that is a lot of times it can come off feeling like criticism, right? Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. I almost find myself telling somebody that they should be a certain way that they're not, or they should do something better than mm. the way that they're doing it. And it's a very toxic thing. And so a lot of my mm -hmm. teachings has been to come back in and, and understand like, okay, well, what kind of label am I about to put on this and how am I approaching it? And, and I think that that practice yeah. that you just mentioned is something that could really help that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What you're bringing up right now is, I mean, that could be a, a full podcast episode in itself. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I've been been playing with that idea for for a little while now. And you know, and the short of it for me is that any criticism that we're throwing on somebody else is usually coming from it's a projection from within. Absolutely. And so I I first triple check that am I showing up the way that I want to before I cast that that judgment and criticism on somebody else. Um, and then if it's triple checked. And that person is still doing, you know, whatever it is that's bothering me. And then I still take another look at it and like, okay, what is this about them or is this about me? Uh, do you ever think sometimes, I mean, if you, if you do your triple check and then you can't really figure out why you're getting so triggered by it. I mean, obviously sometimes this can be a very deep rooted thing from that. You can't 
it's hard to understand what it is that's causing it. But in other yeah. times it's, it's just really hard. But is this, is this intuition telling me that I'm not supposed to be with this person or in this position, or is it something that I really need to work with this person to unblock so that I can move to the next level of myself? That's a very hard position to be in. Cause sometimes it's like, I can't figure that shit out, man. I'm like, I don't know, I know why I'm being triggered. And I've worked so hard on this, but why, like, why do I feel so bad around, around this position or yeah, it's right. frust- It can be frustrating. And I think a lot of people when they have, I mean, everybody experiences that to some form, but uh, yeah. it's, it's all about the way that you react to it. And if you react with compassion and humility and, and love, then stay calm and, and remove those judgments. I do think there's probably something beautiful that can be worked through. Totally. And I'll, I'll, and I'm doing, I'm diving into this whole trauma, trauma world, which we can go into if it's, uh, yeah, if, if it's relevant, but a big part of it is understanding uh, your attachment style. Right. And so we all have our attachment styles. There's, usually there's four of them um and it's interesting because the relationships that we get into um are all driven by these attachment styles right and so if you are if you're a secure if your personal attachment style is secure and your partner's attachment style is also secure and that thing that bothers you keeps coming up instead of looking to vacate the relationship or avoid that hard conversation you can actually bring it up and talk about it and know that that other person isn't going to leave or that you don't need to leave because of this thing that's coming up. And so um, understanding your attachment style, because that also then trickles into your nervous system. And so the four attachment styles are secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. Um, And, and again, it's, I think once you're in a committed relationship, first of all, with yourself, it's so good to know your attachment style so that when you are looking for a partner, you can have this new lens and this new, um, this new, you know, way to magnetize towards the the right opposite. Um, Is it, are, are there, are these all pretty much level as far as like, is any one of these better than the other or are they all perfectly good in just a different type of way because i mean obviously secure seems like it's better than anxious but i'm not sure that that's actually the case when you're talking about the attachment styles yeah and and i mean our our attachment styles develop they're all a response to our environment and our other relationships usually the ones that were we were in with our parents right they they raised us this is just this is very natural um in terms of you know finding a healthy relationship that um, has the qualities that one might desire, sure you know secure could be a goal to 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 work towards or to learn from, uh, but if you're anxious or anxious avoidant, uh, it's not that that's bad. It's just it is what it is, and there's it just gives you more opportunities to learn and grow. Um, What's an example of somebody who would be have an attachment style of avoidance? Mm-hmm. So with avoidance, um, and, and actually, as I, I was, I identified as an avoidant for years, and still have avoidant tendencies. Um, but one thing is 
searching for this partner that checks all of the boxes <laughs> and kind of this, yeah, right. This grass is always greener, <laughs> right? You oh, know, dude, and, it's a big problem with me. Yeah. Like I want, yeah, I have this very specific set of lists and, and like, it's crazy. It's really crazy to think that. Yeah. But it, I, I don't know. Go ahead. And as an avoidant, what I can say is that one day, instead of, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, you'll come to realize that the grass is always greener where you water it. Right. Yes. And that's where, and that's where, yeah, leaning into, and it takes courage. I think courage is um, under, underrated when it comes to showing up in relationship and really asking for what you want. Because um, it takes courage to have a hard conversation if you are not used to being in a secure relationship, right? It takes courage right. to externalize that thing that's been bothering you instead of holding it in, avoiding a hard conversation and moving on to the next person because you didn't have the, the courage to, to have a hard conversation. Um, right. And again, Beautiful, these are all, man. yeah, there's, there's I've never heard it. I've never heard about that. Yeah. Where did you first come into, where did you learn about these? Is there a place where anyone can go deeper on this? Yeah, I mean, there's tons of resources on attachment styles. Um, okay, I'm happy to to look up look one up and send one your way. Um, there's a, there's a book called Attached that uh, that a lot of the the conscious community is into. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty simple to take a quiz, figure out your attachment style, and then from there, there's lots of resources just for better understanding how you show up, uh, especially in relationship. Yeah. Cool. I feel like that hits home really, really good for me. Really hard. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. something that I'm, you know, I was in a, a, a really long relationship that was felt very secure and we never really mm -hmm. had problems or fights. But what I realized later was that there was more so a lack of communication on, mm -hmm. uh, on her end. So even though she might've actually been dealing with a lot of problems, I wasn't hearing about any of them. And so then how am I supposed to know really? Cause like the energy felt fine. Right. But yeah. moving into other incredible and intricate people, it's like I've noticed that because of that lack of communication that was between that long relationship, I was probably saying and like criticizing or judging in some ways that were just kind of rolling off of her because she was so good at not allowing that to get in and affect her. And so mm -hmm. it kind of prepped me. And also growing up in a childhood where like, parents and and just like hearing that same style of like you know conflict all the time when i was a kid mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and even using a negative tone when talking to somebody when i don't necessarily mean that it's i'm not necessarily meaning to be like uh critic criticizing them but it can come off very yeah. aggressive and, and uh, extreme and to somebody who's mm -hmm. sensitive and maybe not secure in the relationship it can be very 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 draining and, and toxic and so learning yeah. all of that has been kind of interesting and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's all, if you choose to be aware of yourself on this journey, it's a, it's a beautiful ride. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right, um, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Do you have, I wanted to ask you this in particular, do you have any weird reoccurring visions or uh, dreams or have you had any in the past that kind of influence what you spend your time and your energies and your creations on? Hmm. That's a good question. Any recurring dreams or images? I feel like that's one of those questions that you ask because actually you have a really specific vision that drives you that keeps showing up. <laughs> um, I have a few, <laughs> but I mean, visions can be uh, a lot of different things, right? It can just be a connectivity to your inner world. It could be, it, it's, it's not like a black and white type of word. I don't think. Yeah. I certainly, I don't have one that haunts me, right. That shows up constantly and is reminding me that I'm, you know, off track or that I need to be doing this one thing. Um, <laughs> Ravi, if you don't yeah. wake up and do your yoga today, you will have your <laughs> anus destroyed by a flesh eating man robot <laughs> named Jose. <laughs> oh, you, only, only you could come up with that. And I love it. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to table that one for now. And, and yeah, I mean, an obviously now to think of. Tonight, I'm going to have some super twisted dream featuring Jose. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just always interesting to me to, to see what, what started the journey, you know, and intuition is very much a vision in a way. So even just the feeling yeah. of I need to be going to India or I should be going to Colorado. I mean, in a way, that's sort of like a vision of what I'm, you know, I've had some, it, you could go into the shamanic realm, you can go into the starseed realm, and you can go real deep with some people and, yeah. get like specific entities that are showing up and talking to you and things like that. I mean, I was yeah. talking to yeah. a lady yesterday who said she has an alien portal in her closet and she does cranial <laughs> sacral like hypnosis in it. And I was like, I'm not going to doubt you, you know, like I, I think that's probably very real. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I've been reading, I I've been encountering all these different like yogis and gurus. And um, one of the classics is autobiography of a yogi. Um, yeah. Yeah. And this guy, Paramahansa Yogananda, he has some insane stories about visions that uh, are just otherworldly. And there is a part of me that's, you know, spending more time in India. Like is one of these going to show up for me? Cause I would really love to have that that experience um dude it seems to be one of the hot spots i mean every like another book um the immortal self by arivindra hamadra unfucking believable book <laughs> and the stories in the vision about this this guy and like what he experienced they're unbelievable and of course it's over in the himalayans so it's yeah and and another crazy thing about that story was this I'm not going to tell his whole story. You guys can check the book out. And I, I really highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites of all time. Um, mm. As I was trying to explain the story of this book to my acupuncturist, <laughs> I started and I got like two, I mean, I must've gotten like two sentences into explaining it. And she's like, Oh, and like, just like took over the thought and started telling me a story instead. And so I just started listening and she tells me this story about like her friend, Dave, and literally 
this Dave guy's story that she tells me is almost exactly the same as the intro story for the immortal self. So I'm sitting wow. there like, what? And then she tells me that <laughs> because of this guy that she told me the story of who like had visions from watching like a television that he had to go to India. And then he ended up finding some monk in a cave. And then the monk taught him all these things and like mm. all this stuff opened up. And then he ended up opening like 20 acupuncture clinics to help people in the Himalayans. That's how she actually got into acupuncture. She was like traveling, wow. met this guy. Cool. He taught her acupuncture. She started a, like, she got this vision that she needed to open up a practice out there. And then eventually, mm -hmm. many years later, she ends up riding her bike across the United States, finding Portland and setting up her own clinic here. And it was just like, the whole thing was fucking mind-blowing, man. I was just like, what? Wild. What? <laughs> <laughs> and all, all of those phenomena, the like thousand plus synchronicities that had to happen so that you could be sitting there in that acupuncture room with her. You know, oh, for I know, me yeah. that, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she has been a magical, magical, magical angel in my life and helping mm. me in so many different ways. So, yeah. And That's amazing. It's very, 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 everything goes, it, go, it goes deep, man. Everything goes really deep. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. So. Totally. And, and honestly, those visions, you know, I would say, like, my reality has been that. You know, these, again, these signs keep showing up and then I follow them. And just more magic unfolds. Yes. So I think that, that that's actually my real answer is that, yeah, I don't need to be dreaming or have my eyes closed and off in some other world to get these messages. They are showing up in plain sight. And that is where from a place of clarity, I can discern, yes, that aligns and that resonates with where I'm headed. And I'm going to follow that. Yeah, that's the conviction. type of flow that I'm working in. I, I have a lot of... Mm -hmm. I have a lot of instances where I do, I connect the two worlds where I'll get something into my head before it actually physically appears. And it'll be like within a day, mm -hmm. like I'll think of something yeah. and then it will immediately appear. And then I'm like, Whoa. And it can be, it can be yeah. funny stories sometimes too. Like, did I tell you the story about the Hanson book when we no. were on the mountain? Are you a Hanson well, brother? Are you the, are you yes. the fourth brother? <laughs> I, I I am. So. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get back to a man. Um, I think, I think it was my friend Holly. I can't remember. Anyway, one of my female friends was messaging me and said to send her something to help her go to sleep. And mm -hmm. I was like working on my computer. And for some reason, this download popped into my head. Like, oh, send her a Hanson book. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea why I got the download. So I go to Amazon, I Google it, and I find this Hanson, like, unauthorized biography that I'd never seen before. And I thought because, you know, I was borderline obsessed when I was a child and my entire life has been to become the appearance of Hanson. Uh, <laughs> how have I not ever seen this book? Like, this is crazy. This was written back then. Like I've never seen it. If you type Hanson book in like Amazon, it's the only, it's like the top one that pops up. It's a bright yellow color. I was like, <laughs> how did I never read this? And <laughs> So I sent her the link and was like, well, just read this and you'll feel better. And I don't, I'm not even sure she really responded. But what's important is the next day, <laughs> I was walking my dog, Sachi, and I was living under the, like, this shitty apartment under the bridge in Portland at the time. It was a bad situation. Like, I had gone through a breakup. Were you, were you homeless? Rented, no, but I rented this place online and I didn't look at it and it was in a bad area. And it's literally just like needles. Yeah, it, it was, oh, damn. it was in the industrial area of Portland. And, 
Okay. There was like no vegetation out there where I would walk Sachi. And if you guys can yeah. hear the dumpster smashing outside, that's totally a thing here. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I was walking here in this normal little like depressing loop because it was so gloomy and just no life of anything down there. It's all concrete. And she yeah. started pulling me to the left. Like she wanted to go really bad this other direction. And I was like, like, why do you want to go that way? And so like we go up that direction and it leads me to this own, it's like the only house down there that has any sort of flowers. And this, this house uh -huh. had all these rose bushes planted and they were in bloom. And it was an odd time of the year to be in bloom too. Cause it was like November or something. And sure. As I'm walking by the bushes, she goes to the spot and starts sniffing and literally on the ground underneath the rose bushes, <laughs> Zach Hansen book in physical form, dude. I swear to God. I Get swear to God. I, I'll send you a picture of it, man. And I about, dude, I about, this was, this was <laughs> a day after I started working with that acupuncturist, you know, uh -huh. and she yeah. told me in, there was a session. She said, Heath, there's something that you're not seeing. If you start opening your eyes, you're going to start seeing a lot more. You have one eye closed, and what's it going to be? And I was like, what Whoa. the fuck does that mean? And then that happened, and it was just like, what? Like, what are the odds of me pulling that download and then pulling it up and then finding the exact book on the floor? Like, these little messages like that, I mean, you tell them a vision or whatever you want, but, like, that is like, okay, you're tapped into something. Keep looking at these signs. And then oh. – it wasn't a couple of days after that I was with Sachi again in the same type of area of town and I was in a park <laughs> and I, I used to play disc golf all the time. And mm -hmm. I was like, I was in this park that it's not a disc golf park. It literally is just a yard of a school where I would take Sachi when the school wasn't in session. And I thought I was standing there. And I was like, man, you know what? Like pretty lonely. I don't really have any friends here. Maybe it'd be nice to start playing disc golf again. And then I thought, well, mm -hmm. I probably need to get some discs because mine are like old and I'm not even <laughs> sure if they like, if I know where they're at and I, I shit you not, I walked 10 feet and there was a brand new disc off disc laying on the ground in this park. Brand new dude. The thing hadn't been fucking used. There were no dents, nothing on it. And having yeah. those two things happen within like a three day period or a two day period, it really fucked with my head for a while. I like, mm. I thought I was going crazy a little bit. I was like, wait, like, am I, am I tapping? Like what, what am I connected to? And, Ever since then, yeah. I've noticed that I have the ability to, things come into my head before they physically appear. And it happens in all sorts mm -hmm. of different forms, but mm -hmm. it can be something as funny as a Hanson book. But it's like, are you listening and are you watching? Are you opening that second eye? Are you really truly showing up to be aware and pay attention? And I think that's an avenue of how you open up channels for healing relationships, how you open up channels mm -hmm. for finding your twin flames, how you open up channels for bringing mm -hmm. in true prosperity and abundance mm -hmm. into your life. You open up mm -hmm. channels for creativity, you know? So it's just, it's, uh, yeah, man, it's cool. It was a cool thing. That, that's incredible. And, and I think, you know, I, I'd say both of your eyes are open. And now that, that third eye space gets to start shining through. Because um, that, that's intuition. That's the, that's the connectedness point. And, and, and I just want, I want to give you kudos, man. I think... Uh, I'm always really impressed by the podcast, by the affirmation decks, by the, you know, sweet ass diabetes book. Like you're, you're able to channel your creativity and energy in such a, a positive, constructive way. Um, I, I feel, 
I feel a glimpse of that with myself right now, just in little ways. Uh, and I think there's a lot that I'd like to learn from you in terms of, uh, yeah, really creating in, in meaningful, meaningful ways. So I appreciate it. on you for, for, for sharing. I really that. do. Thank you so much for saying that. It's, it's not always easy, right? It's, I did, mm-hmm. I spend a lot of times in the process of making something and, and having to invest in doing it and not really fully knowing Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? It's it is about what we talked about in the beginning, like leaning into what you what you don't know how to do. You f- you just lean into it and you do it, and like you realize that you can pretty much do anything you want over mm-hmm. you know, dedication and emotion. And I think, I mean, I don't think you're going to be leaving. We're going to be leaving each other's realm anytime soon. I, you know, you said 2014, man. That was exactly when I started making my transition. So, and I have yeah. a lot of crazy stories from back then as well, but. Mm-hmm. 2014 mm-hmm. is when I, when I was first getting tapped and it seems like we're the same age. Like I'm 33. Um, mm-hmm. how old are you? Yeah, 30, 32. Are you 33? 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right about then, and then going into that, like 2014 to 16, that would have been Saturn returns for us. Right. And then mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. that point from then on, we've been on these journeys that have been very unique and, and very true to creativity. And there's been ups and downs. Like I've oh, made totally. a lot of money and I've lost everything. You know, and I think yeah. everybody is kind of dealing with the, that feeling of that, you know, finances are not necessarily, it's an energy, right? You can do really good things with it and you can do really bad things with it, but yeah. not looking at it as a good or bad thing, but more so as a part of yourself, I think is the right direction. And it, it all, you know, just staying true to your creativity is the only thing that's important. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, man, past five and a half years have been wild <laughs> in all the right ways. <laughs> I'm just like, well, and that's the thing too. I think as I reflect back on the last year of my life, you know, six months into it, I could tell with pinpoint accuracy of like the days and the specific um, triggers and feelings and events that impacted my decision making. Like it was all this this really linear this happened and then this happened and then because of that this happened and I met this person you know it was also linear but now a year later it's starting to feel like um like I have to explain myself less right you know if I'd met somebody six months ago I'd start with oh well in this past life I lived in Boulder and I did this tech thing and then I went off and lost my job and then I discovered this and but now it's it's becoming more integrated and then that last year now um yeah, it, it, I don't want to say that, it, that it's a blur because, again, I'm, I've been so in it that it is still really alive for me. Um, but this, this span of time and the life that has happened in such a short amount of time has made it feel like this entire chapter instead of just these individual pages. Oh, man. I'm all about the, all about the metaphors these days. It's beautiful. I love, I, I mean, dude, I love having conversations with you. I wish we could do it every day on a mountain. You'll have to come up to the, uh, the Northwest man and, and trek, trek up some of these cascades. It's glorious. Dude, 1000%. I will be there when the, uh, the dust settles. Yeah. Well, I'm running a little bit short. I have another call coming up, but I wanted to ask you okay. another heavy question. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a good one, but, before we, before we tootle on out and tell Lenan 
I said hello and that I love her as well. Oh, absolutely. What, what are you, (laughs) is she sitting there right with you? She's not. She asked if she, uh, she offered and I said, you know, yeah, you're her spokesperson, right? So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I'm just kidding. She's amazing. Um, what, what are you most, um, let me think about, what do you think you're most uncomfortable with about yourself? And how do you rise above that? Great question. Um, You know, I think what I'm doing, what I've been doing for the last year, I went into it with really no expectations of, what this looks like on the other side. I'm again, just trusting and flowing and growing and evolving. And I get uncomfortable when I feel like everything that I've done leading up to this is just so different from where I'm headed. Mm. And, and I really, I kick myself internally, like, what are you doing? You know, why are you not continuing down the path that you may have been on before? And like, what do you think you're doing with this like yoga and mindfulness and what do you have to offer? So there's, there's still a bit of this voice of that inner critic and the, um, you know, imposter syndrome. Um, but I think when I, when you talk about rising above that, there's also a knowing that everything that I've done has so deeply contributed to where I'm at today. And that all that good, all that stuff, isn't lost on me. In fact, it's, it's just more ingrained in me. And now I'm building on top of that foundation. Um, and so, you know, I even changed my Instagram, my, I changed my name that I go by. And then I also changed my Instagram and Facebook name and my email address really just to like as a commitment to myself. Right. And, and my the name Ravi, it means like light or God of the sun. And so this, my Instagram name is rise with Ravi rise with the light of the sun. And so that, that feels for me like a really lofty aspiration Mm. of how I want to show up in this new world. Um, And so I think the the most uncomfortable, the every day, the hardest part is just embodying that fully and not kicking myself for not committing to a different path but really commending myself for integrating and for becoming what my you know, soul has been yearning to evolve into um, and showing up fully um, every day. Um, and then there are certainly days where, you know, it's harder than others, but, um, but yeah, the embodiment of what I'm aligning to, that's where my growth is. That's where I get to, to stay continue rising into whatever it is that this is becoming. Ah, that gave me goosebumps, bro. Mm. Yeah. I think it's very, that's a, that's a very good um, way to close it, but also a a really good indicator for everybody out there that these types of things continue to, it's always something you have to work on. And like, I look back and I do Mm -hmm. the exact same thing, man. 
and Mm -hmm. rising with the sun seems like the, that seems like the move and I'm very Jupiter connected. So that sun will be right there (laughs) while I'm, you know, I'm there and I appreciate the sun and and keep shining that light because I need it to then forecast abundance to everybody because that's my power. (laughs) But dude, I I really appreciate you. Like I, I would love, I mean, if I could have a podcast where it was just me talking to you every single episode, I would do it because (laughs) I think we just have never ending conversations. Uh, Um, So yeah, dude, tell, tell an I said, what up? Tell India. Send him my love. Um, Namaste. Touch for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And I will, I'll totally shout you out when this goes up. So cool. Yeah. Again, I, I appreciate you. I love, um, I'm just, I'm super stoked that we got connected only four months ago, but I feel like I've known you a lifetime or lifetimes. And uh, I'm excited to see what, what we do next. Cause yeah, if I ever got the chance to collaborate with you or even just go on a badass hike in the Northwest. Um, yeah, that's where I'd love, love to see this go. You know, people say that time flies when you're having fun, but it's ultimately, it slows down. Like, I feel like when you're living mm-hmm. with true purpose and intent, your time mm-hmm. slows down so much because you're paying so much attention to each moment and nothing's mm-hmm. just kind of like going under the radar. Like when I look yeah. back at the last three months, I mean, I feel like Kilimanjaro was a year ago and yeah. it literally was three or four months ago. And like, that's crazy because every single one of those days in between has had some sort of like strong purpose and intent. And it's, mm. yeah, man, it's, it's kind of astonishing. Mm-hmm. So. Dude, just, just quickly, I, I'm just geeking out because in my travels, I spent a month in Africa, a month in Mexico, and now I've been in India for a month, uh, as of, <laughs> t- as of tonight. Um, and yeah, just uh, worlds. Oh my God. Baba I got it. Oh, I miss, miss your brother. Okay, thank you again, um, and I look forward to to staying in touch. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth. In this place called space, we'll build a factory of spas that will assemble with our minds and sell to earth. Well, hello there, you little kinksters. As always, all the show notes are at heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. If you hunt around the side a little bit, you might find some other kinky little Easter egg links that'll take you somewhere super, super naughty. But maybe you won't. Maybe you don't have a naughty enough eye. Maybe your will to be naughty isn't strong enough. We'll see. Go give it a little click a and see what you find out. Ta-ta!